My name is A. I have the joy, the honor, and the privilege of serving as one of the pastors, as one of your pastors here. I'm really glad that y'all decided to join us today on this first Sunday of the year to celebrate together as a community in the presence of uh, and for the glory of our God, for our King and our Savior. It's good to see you. Now, I'll say this, for the folks here who are social media mavens, our Insta and Tiki talky connoisseur, the influencers and the people who are influenced, I'm going to assume that y'all probably have been inundated with end-of-year recap videos like the one we saw. Uh, they're a lot of fun, and I'll tell you, I'll spill some tea or share a little gossip about myself. I do watch a lot of my friends' recaps to see if I'm important enough to show up in them. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's fine. I, no ill will at all. But for those of you for whom the radio is the pinnacle of technology, which oftentimes I kind of feel like that's where I'm at, because I don't know if you, if you ever come to our house, you'll see it in our kitchen. We still have an AM, FM dual tape deck with five band equalizer boom box. And if you know, you know, because our five band, the middle range is higher so that we can hear news. If you don't know what that means, it's okay. If, if radio is the pinnacle of technology, You've probably also been engulfed by, you know, a lot of end-of-year wrap-up stories, different uh, rituals, because it's kind of human nature. It's human nature to want to look back, right? Uh, to take a moment to be nostalgic and, and consider where we've been so that we can start the new year or new season fresh and new. And we're not any different here at Sunset Church, right? I, I wanted to share the video that was played because I wanted... To, to take a moment to remember where we've been so that we can, you know, take a look back so that now we can start looking forward to where we want to go. So today, to today's message, we're going to spend some time looking forward to what the pastors and what the elders have identified as our vision for the next year. And I want to start by setting two foundational assumptions, two presumptions, key presumptions uh, to set the context of what I'm going to talk about today, all right? And the first one is this. I want to explain or define how I'm using the word vision, okay? If you worked in corporate America, uh, which I used to, you've probably seen the term vision used in different ways depending on where you work. I've had enough jobs where I've seen the word vision used in exactly opposite ways in two different companies. So I want to explain how I'm using the word today. So today, when I use the word vision, when I say, like, I'm casting vision or that, that, that we're renewing our vision, what I'm explaining, what I'm trying to say is this. Our vision as a church, it is absolutely intended to show how we believe, how we as a church believe, how, how the pastors and how the elders and how the leadership believes God wants us to live out our mission as a church this year, our, our, which our mission is to glorify God uh, by making gospel-transformed disciples of all peoples here in San Francisco and in the world. That's our mission. And so, in other words, our vision, it is intended to show how we want to, how we plan to, how we want to execute our mission as a church in 2024. That's our vision. That's the first key assumption, just to lay that foundation. The second assumption that I want to talk to you before we get into what our vision is for 2024 is this. And it's based on the passage that I asked Darren to read. 
to give you a little context about myself, I like to plan things. I'm a planner, right? Uh, I, I like to know what's going to happen and when it's going to happen so that I can plan. When Suzanne and I moved back from Chicago, back to San Francisco, I needed to know exactly when our stuff would arrive in our house so that I could plan a optimal unpacking strategy because I really needed to make our house back into a home again as quickly as possible. See, I have this need, innate need to, to have a schedule, to, to have a checklist, to, to know where everything is. And, and I'll, I'll tell you this, some might view this need of mine as obsessive, maybe compulsive, which is fine. I view it as me wanting to live in the image of God. And this is why, because our God is not a God of chaos. Our God is a God of peace. Our God is not a God of disorder. Our God is a God of of order. There's a passage in Acts chapter 2, verse 23, and Luke is reminding us that Jesus, it says, was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge. There's another passage. It's in the Old Testament. God spoke through Isaiah. It's in Second uh, Kings chapter 19, verse 25. It is, he's uh, talking about the situation Hezekiah is going through, and God through Isaiah says this, I designed it long ago. I planned it in days gone by. I planned it. I planned it in days gone by. I have now brought it to pass. See, I'm not saying I'm holier than all y'all. The Bible. No. I'm, planning is a good thing. Because I'm a planner. But then you have the flip side of the coin. The passage that was read today. And I wanted it read because a planner like me, personally, I need to be reminded, I am not God. I am so not. I, I may have been created in the image of God, and I may try to plan well, and that's good, but I am not God. My plans are still mine. And I need to be reminded to not act like I'm God or think like I'm a God. I, I need to remember that I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I need to be reminded that I don't know where our lives will be. And so as it was read in today's passage in James chapter 4, Verse 14 and 15, they're like vapor. Vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. In other words, you know, planning is a good thing. We need to plan. But we need to also remember that God is in control. So our plans need to be in line with who God is, not who I am. Our plans need to bring God all the glory, not me. So I might mention these two keystone concepts, these ideas to keep in mind as we talk today, because our, our vision is first how we believe God intends our church to live out our mission to glorify God. And, and any plan, second, that I make, we make, it might be a good thing, it's fine, but they're not going to be perfect because perfection, perfection is God's alone. God is in control. And with those two ideas in mind, I now want to talk about and spend a little time talking about our vision for 2024. And we have three things that we really want to strive for this year. Uh, we shared them at our congregational meeting about a month ago. And Pastor Joey, he also wrote about them, uh, shared them in the email that had the video attached to it that was just played. See, our vision or our priorities, they're absolutely rooted in Scripture. They have been identified by the leadership here at Sunset Church because we believe that these priorities, these, this vision is going to help us become glorifying, God-glorifying, gospel-transformed disciples. 
So for what I want to do today, for the rest of my time, before we take communion together, is I want to show you the gospel roots of our 2024 vision. So the three parts of our vision. And so the very first part, let's get into it, of our vision is this. We want to be intentional with our discipleship by getting everybody engaged and serving. Now, at a very practical level, what that means is we want to see more people, more members of this community here at Sunset Church uh, actually actively involved in the church. I did a quick check. Um, We have nearly 400 people who are regularly attending and less than 80 people amongst those 400 are regularly serving in some form or fashion, any form or fashion in our church. So we are living out the 80-20 rule in our church right now. One thing I need to stress, we cannot, we must not ever forget that we were all once sinners. We were once separated from our holy God because of our brokenness. And we must never ever forget that our redemption, it is absolutely not based on anything that we can do. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9, it says this, For you're saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is God's gift not from works, so that no one can boast. Absolutely, this is the truth. And I'll tell you, if you're joining us today and you aren't sure what that means, I beg you, come talk to me, come talk to Joey, come talk to one of the pastors, elders, talk to the person who brought you here, talk to a person with an orange lanyard, talk to a person sitting next to you, talk to somebody, anybody here and ask what that means, what that means. Because understanding this idea of being saved by grace alone, through our faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, this is absolutely essential to who we are as a church. And most of you understand this, because the Sunset Church is so much more than just a social club. It's so much more than just a community center. It's so much more than just snap in the after school program. It's so much more than a donation collection center. We are so much more. And we need to understand this truth that is by grace alone that we are redeemed. Yet, having said all that, we do need to keep reading to the next verse. Because in verse 10, it says this, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. In other words, It was always a part of God's plan for us to do good works. Not to be saved by good works, but still to do that. It's not a request. It's a requirement, right? And it's not limited to the 20-something Zoomers that have, you know, more time because they don't have kids or they have more stamina or they're better looking than me. There's not something that's limited to me and Joey alone because we happen to work at Sunset. No, If you've not heard the saying before, let me say it once. If you're not dead, you're not done. I love the fact that um, when we'll be naming some people, Francis and Nita, they know they're not done because they're not dead. Because they continue to help serve the children in our community through SNAP. Dale and Gary, they're not dead. They're not done. They know this because they knew this because they dedicate time serving through Operation Christmas Child. Lucy and Phil and Julie, definitely not dead. So definitely not done. Because they serve and they encourage the residents at the Ivy over Christmas. 
There's Teresa and Marissa and so many others who, who know this as well as they serve our special needs ministry. We're God's workmanship. We're the image bearers of the Almighty One. And we are created to do good works. So part of our vision this year is to encourage, is to excite, and to incite each and every one of us in this church to get up, to get involved. I'll tell you, I have no clue what that's going to look like at all. Uh, But I can't wait to see at the end of 2024 what that's going to be. Because the unity that's going to be created by the beautiful diversity that God intends, that he's going to display. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it talks a bit about what that diversity is going to look like. Uh, Verses 4 to 11, it says, now, there are different gifts, but the same spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. To, to, to one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit, and to another, faith by the same Spirit, and to another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another, the performing of miracles, and to another, prophecy, and to another, distinguishing between spirits, and to another, different kinds of tongues, and to another, interpretation of tongues. One and the same Spirit is active in all of these and distributing to each person as he, as God wills. What does serving have to do with discipleship? You know, serving, I get it. But what does that have to do? What, what does this have to do with our mission to create gospel-transformed disciples? And it's simply, I will explain it by looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. It says this, Paul writes, Imitate me as I also imitate Christ. See, Paul, he is wanting to create as well gospel-transformed disciples to bring God all the glory. And his charge, his charge to those that he's calling to be gospel-transformed disciples, his charge to them is imitate me. Imitate him as he imitates the Son of God. And so we are called, each called to do the same, to serve. We are called to do good works. And the example that each and every one of us can set by doing good works, not for redemption, but because we are redeemed, this example, that's the example that we can set for each and every other person in this place. From our children, to our partner, to our friends, to our elders. This is the example we set for others to follow. Because in summary, our vision is to become disciples who serve. That's the first part of our vision. The second part of our vision is this. We want to invest and we want to develop leaders uh, to grow in Christ and to grow in their abilities. And again, going very practical for a second, we want to help leaders, ministry leaders, to improve their skills. In other words, we want to be uh, disciples who serve, and we want to be disciples who improve. Now, I, I want to take a moment for this one. I want to be very clear. The standard of excellence, what, what improvement looks like, is not going to be necessarily the same standard from the world. 
I was thinking about this. Some of you are probably familiar with the term tiger mom. I prefer tiger parent because I've seen some tiger dads. Tiger parents are basically, if you get an A minus on your report card, you've gotten an F. And if you get a B, you've been disowned. That's a tiger parent. That's their standard. Another standard that we can actually consider uh, is a phrase called quiet quitting. I don't know if you all have heard of that one. If you have not heard the phrase quiet quitting, buckle in because this is a unique definition. It's something that got viral on Tic Tac a while ago. But quiet quitting is basically this. It's someone who does their job, right? Quiet quitting basically means you don't work overtime, you don't volunteer to do extra things. And I remember hearing the definition of quiet quitting and being very confused about it because for me, it just sounds like what we used to call work-life balance, right? But to somebody else, quiet quitting is the opposite of striving for excellence. And like I said, different world standards as Christians, our standard of excellence is absolutely 100% rooted in the gospel. And in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, here's that standard. The Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his stature because I've rejected him. Humans do not see what the Lord sees. For humans see what's visible, but the Lord sees the heart. See, the standard of excellence for the gospel transformed is the heart. See, we want to become, as I said before, gospel-transformed disciples who serve, right? And we also today, starting right now, we want to become gospel-transformed disciples who will together proclaim, as Paul did in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 to 24, he says, whatever, you, whatever we do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people, knowing that you, that we will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. See, the Christian standard of excellence is our heart posture, 100%, absolutely. But, the same time, it doesn't take away from the need to get better. Because we want to be disciples who serve, and we want to be disciples who improve. And let me explain. We want, to, we want to use the skills. We want to use the abilities, the opportunities that we've been given, and we want to hone them for his sake. We want to get better at them. In Romans chapter 12, verse 6 and 8, it tells us that according to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy... Use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in exhortation. Giving with generosity. Leading with diligence. Showing mercy with cheerfulness. So we want to take the gifts. We want to take the opportunities that God's given to us, to each of us. And we want to strive to serve him with all our heart and with all our ability. Now, again, going to the practical for 2024, this is going to be a little different for every single one of us and the ministries that we're each involved in, but there's going to be some ways that we're going to help as a church. One, for those involved, for example, in Sunday school or on a Friday evening youth programs, it's going to mean not only, as we did today, not only taking the time to pray for each of these kids regularly, but also maybe learning effective teaching 
techniques because I've heard stories about Sunday school classes. They're scary. For our hospitality team, there's probably going to, it's going to mean not only coming here early to prepare ourselves and to prepare this space physically, to prepare us spiritually, we're going to have to also learn new ways to connect and engage and create community. For our tech crew, it might mean training up not just on new technologies, but old technologies because we can't afford the new technologies. For our worship team, it might mean voice lessons. Not that you can't sing. It's just, you know, we want to get better. Our standard of excellence does not change. Our standard of excellence is absolutely set 100% in Scripture. That is, that is going to be the foundation. And our standard is this. Our heart must be set to bring God all the glory. And knowing that, Knowing that we are disciples who serve from the heart, we want to do it for God, not for people. And so, therefore, we want to hone our abilities in our service for the sake of bringing God the very best that we possibly can. So this year, our vision, we want to be disciples who serve. Second, we want to be disciples who improve. The last thing we really want to do is we want to be disciples who talk. The final part of our vision for 2024 is to be a church that shares the gospel, shares the gospel with our city. Making this very practical again, we want to see a higher level of engagement with non-Christians by you, the gospel transformed at Sunset Church. I'll be very honest, I don't think I could spend a lot of time uh, explaining and uh, why this is such an important part of our vision. Um, there, this, from a scriptural perspective, this call for us to share this absolute truth that God sent his one and only son to take the price of our brokenness, to take the price of our sin so that we can be seen as pure and righteous in the eyes of God and so therefore be able to dwell in God's presence to call, the call to share this truth with everyone around us is found throughout Scripture. I mean, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, you probably are very familiar with this. It says, Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you. I'm with you always to the end of the age. There's another passage in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. It says this, but in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you. Be ready. Colossians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4 says this, at the same time, pray. Pray also for us that God will open a door to us for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains so that I might make it known as I should. Because there's no question, there is no question that our call to glorify God by making gospel-transformed disciples, it means we absolutely must and need to share the gospel with those who have not accepted this truth into their lives yet. That's, that's given. The question now is, how do we do this? How do we practically do this as a church? And, um, and there's the passages I read, I read them because there's some hints tips that we can take away. You know, the first thing we need to do, pray. Just as Paul asked the church in Colossae to pray, 
we pray to. We pray for doors to open. We pray that we might be ready to defend our faith at any moment. And we pray for the boldness to be less worried about other people's opinions about me and more worried about how do I fulfill God's command to me. We pray. How else do we talk? We listen. James chapter 1, verse 19. says, my dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So we listen. Since coming back to San Francisco and joining the staff here, one of my responsibilities, one of my duties is to care for and manage our, our small group ministry here. And so the very first thing I wanted to do in light of that responsibility was to listen. Um, so over the last few months since I got here, I've been on a listening tour of all 33 of our groups in our church. And let me say something here. When I started my listening tour, there were 30 groups on that list. And not that I started three new groups. Along the way, I found out there were three groups that nobody knew existed and were not on any list that I had. Thank God that I went on this tour and found out, oh, there's another group and called them up and then found another group and called them up and found another group and called them up. So if you're in a group and I have not come to visit and listen to you, you are lost. Please come find me afterwards. I don't want you to be lost anymore. Disciples who, who talk about Jesus, we need to first pray. We need to second listen, and then we can start to talk. Then we can start to share a good way to do it. You can see it in First uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 16. It says... Yet, do this with gentleness and reverence, keeping a clear conscience, so that when you are accused, those who, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. Paul uh, has more words of wisdom to share in Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. He says, do it like this. Let your speech always be gracious and seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. I wanna say it's really important to understand that whatever you have to say, whatever you have to share, will not be the reason for redemption. So you can take that stress off. Don't be anxious about it. But what you share absolutely can be God's tool for redemption. What I mean is this, we need to remember that redemption comes by God alone, God's grace alone. That's the source of redemption. You and I, we have a role, but we are not the reason. We have a role to play in our family, in our friend's redemption story. In Romans chapter 10, verse 14, it explains what our role is, and it says this, how then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? So we want you to do that, to be disciples who talk. Now, I'll tell you, when the, when the leadership identified this priority, 
One of the questions that came up is, well, how are we going to know? How are we going to know that folks are actually striving to fulfill this vision? We need you to tell us. So, Shirley, I'm going to ask, thank you. For those of you who have a phone, a smartphone, those of you who do not have a smartphone, very cool. Uh, I'd love to talk to you. But for those of you who do, point it at that QR code. This is one of the few times we're going to ask you in church to pull your phone out. And I'm going to let you stare at it for just a moment. This is one to two questions, depending on how you answer the first one. But we're going to ask, we're going to be sending this survey out uh, every few, uh, periodically. Simply a question to ask. Will you be disciples who talk? I'll let you do that. I'll give you five seconds because it literally is one to two questions. All right. Hey, we exist to glorify God. We exist to glorify God by making gospel-transformed disciples of all peoples in our city and in the world. And we want to do that, especially this year, by becoming disciples who serve. And we want to do that by becoming disciples who improve. And we want to do that this year by becoming disciples who talk. That's our hope, our vision as a leadership here at Sunset Church. Today, we get to celebrate communion together um, as a community, which I love to do. Communion, you know, if you don't know, communion is this active celebration of the gospel, right? It is, it is Christ, uh, his, his body and his blood given for us. And the model of this gospel celebration, it was given by Christ himself in that little upper room before he gave his life. And so he blessed and then he served or he passed out the bread and the cup to represent his body, his blood given for us. So we want to do the same. That's why we've changed things up. We want to serve the body of Christ with the body and the blood of Christ together. Now, this is a sacred ritual and it's reserved for those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior. And if, if this is not you, and it, this, this could have literally happened now, but if this is not you, you can feel free to stay in your seat, or you can come up, just keep your hands down, just pass the elements by. But what I'd like to do is this. Before we get into this, I'm going to ask that we each take a moment to pray. There's a quote from a, from a, a theologian. His name is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Let me just read it. It says this, Cheap grace... Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. It's baptism without church discipline, and it is communion without confession. Will you take a moment to not let this grace be cheap and understand and receive the costly grace that Christ is giving to us? And then I'll close our time out with prayer, and we'll join together in communion. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you now humbly. We ask you to forgive us and to make us clean. We ask you to restore our relationship with you, God. For we are your beloved. We have received you into our hearts. We have accepted your death 
as a penalty of our sinfulness. And we ask now that your spirit continue to transform us as we remember you and as we remember the gospel that you brought with you. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.